we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike in a moment, and a third co-host joining us, joining the Five Timers Club. We were just talking about getting her a jacket to commemorate this occasion. Once again, our good buddy, the far more successful little sister of MMO, as we lovingly call her, Amanda of Swell Entertainment on YouTube. Amanda, thank you once again for joining us here today. Thank you for letting me come on here and bust your balls. Thank you. <laughs> that should be the podcast. That should just be you with two old fogies in their mid-30s somehow, but we're just we're old souls, as we'll get into later in this podcast. Old souls will be featured in this episode. But uh, yeah, we're, we're watching a lot of movies, and we're worried about the movie industry, and here you are the, uh, you're at the forefront of all TikTok criticisms and you're she's the up. cool one yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. but we make dad jokes with your you know stage name and you, you mm-hmm. come on our podcast is that what's what's working here but it's, yeah it's da- I, I think so down the well with swell is that what we're calling this mike or are we, we we may save it for the ring or ring two, the rewatch <laughs> if we ever dive into a ring rewatch yeah we're gonna have to resurrect that title but for now uh we, we do like doing dad joke puns with swell entertainment and amanda said down the well with swell and that fits because as part two of our year in preview today we uh we're gonna go through movies that uh concern us that scare <laughs> us look uh, the backstory of this is amanda is a huge fan like uh, i am and, and mike has less of a palate for but <laughs> car crash cinema and with <laughs> horrid yes. production stories and things that movies that may not come off uh, as they were originally intended to so we figured no better co-host to join us today as we will each be picking three movies on the upcoming slate that we did preview uh, last episode to talk about that uh, each of us are worried about in this episode I just want to complain about mine. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's going to be a running theme, yeah. If you guys like car crash cinema, you should watch a David Cronenberg movie from the 19 late 80s about car crashes. And one fan out there right now is laughing his guts out. (laughs) (laughs) Just one. (laughs) Seen the movie Crash, the original Crash. Anyway nerds over here amanda thank you for coming on here five times i can't believe it but yeah so basically we're just going to go back and forth about movies we're worried about with this caveat i think the other two of us can have the option of playing devil's advocate so in other words like amanda if you say this movie is probably going to suck mike and i can say you know but maybe it'll still be great and maybe we'll still get screeners someday i don't know mike what do you think We're just trying to all salvage our careers while we're at it. <laughs> just a dis- desperation as a backdrop for this episode. <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, all right. Uh, like I said, we each picked three. None of the three for many of us will be West Side Story because mm-hmm. collectively we want to think talk about that at the end maybe and talk about yeah. what a disaster we think that's going to be. So uh, you have that to look forward to, dear listener. But Amanda, why don't you start us off? What is oh, your okay. first movie that you are worried slash angry slash disgusted at? I want to talk about Cruella, which yes. is, yes. Good start. again, let's talk about corporate greed. Um, <laughs> as we're all trying to salvage our careers, I'm just going to rip into Disney for a couple minutes. Um, so Bunching Cruella... Up if you didn't know, is uh, the film all about the origin story of a puppy murderer uh, from <laughs> called Corella de Deville. 
I'm sorry, I keep laughing. Uh, Corella Deville from uh, 101 Dalmatians. Um, and I'm sorry, as always, I don't think we need a horror origin, an origin story making the villains anti-heroes. I don't think we need that for every single villain out there. I don't think we need it. You didn't like the idea of like going into the Joker backstory with Emma Stone here playing with the two-colored wig? It's literally fashion Joker. Like that's what this movie is going to be. Fashionista Joker. But the thing is too, is it's like they show her as a child and they make it seem like the split dye is like a genetic thing. Like it's, it's, they show her as a kid and she still has that hair. And I'm like, huh? So she's just built different. Is that what I'm like? (laughs) She was a side sleeper in a bottle of ink. (laughs) Okay. But the thing about this movie too, is like, I heard about this. Like I, when I first started doing the notes, I was like, okay, I first heard about this when I was still in high school. Apparently it was announced in 2013. Mm. And then uh, Stone was cast in 2016, which is the year I graduated. So that does track. But um, it's directed by Craig Gillespie, who also directed I, Tonya. Yeah. Which we liked. I loved I, Tonya. I thought yeah. it was great. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, my personal gripe with Disney is that they do all their choices based around marketing basically like how much Mm -hmm. merch can we sell after the fact and they've already done a bunch of collaborations like there's a mac corella uh, collaboration there's a uh, i think a rag and bone one like they're already profiting off of this but if you watch the trailer they managed to speaking of five times they managed to fit in at least five hot topic shirt sayings into this trailer (laughs) alone and i for one am impressed that takes guys i haven't seen a number i think i saw four or five four three or four in the original suicide squad trailer from 2016 and you know that's that movie tanked as well it didn't do as good as it probably could have been personally i still think too much was going on in that movie but with cruella again i don't need an origin story for a puppy murderer i just don't need it i don't think we need it so, Mike, I know we're supposed to play devil's advocate. <laughs> oh, please defend this movie. I would, I would, yeah, I that's the thing. Like, I, no I personally, I don't, I mean, there's people we like in it. Everybody loves Emma Stone. Mike, you and I yes. are huge fans of Paul Walter Hauser, obviously. Emma yes. Thompson's in it. Mark Strong is the bad guy in every movie Mark Strong's ever in. But, I, man, when we saw this trailer, we were right there with Amanda, right? Oh, you were mm-hmm. tweeting like, I hope she skins those dogs. <laughs> Everybody was like, yeah, it's fake yes. And no, this makes no sense. We have the director of I, Tanya, which is an adult movie about the 90s, uh, with the writer of The Favorite, of course, that's perfect for <laughs> Disney+, Plus, <laughs> Tony McNamara, who I love, and all of these great actors and actresses doing this movie for Disney Plus that's going to premiere directly to Disney Plus. Yeah, let's make Joker for kids. What are we doing? Okay, well, what let's 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 I will defend this movie a little bit. So, uh Glenn Close is a producer. Mm. She previously played Cruella in the ni- the 90s movies. Her judgment well, that's lately part of it, has been though. She perfect. was I, I like did you ever see that movie, Amanda? <laughs> Her judgment lately, Mike, has just been spot on. Hey, first of all, we're not going to do this. <laughs> We're not going down this road today, all right? Her lame has been slandered with Amanda's presence too too much already. I have oh to defend her. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I had to knock you down a peg. Calm down. <laughs> Wait, did you see the Glenn Close movie, the Glenn Close version of this? Yes, I did, of course. I think she was great, and it was cartoonish, and I know yes. I'm biased, but, like, there's also that, that, like, you already have a great live-action version of this. Hmm. So I don't know what the point is of 
redoing this one other than like um, you say, corporate greed. Let exactly. me let me redraw you back into that. <laughs> right. But what if the dogs just eat her at the end? <laughs> That's the final scene. <laughs> Then it's good. Well, see, that's the thing. We know she's not going to die. We know she's just going to get more powerful and be like, fuck puppies. Like, by the end of the movie. Well, like, you what know? if they try to glorify the skinning of the dog thing? And, like, she's she, 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 just... She's so... wearing a Dalmatian skirt at one point in the trailer. So Jesus. I'm like, she's going to kill one dog. She's just the girl boss thing is going into overdrive. Like, look oh, at how no, bad no, no, no. This is, this, is this is the epitome of... Uh, gaslight gatekeep girl <laughs> boss. Okay, that's what this is. And doesn't she have red hair at one point in the trailer too? Mm. Oh yeah, to again because she she but they show her as a child with the split dye. So it's like okay, she went through a rebellious stage where she dyed her hair red, and then she was like, I should go back to my roots and literally dyed her hair black and white. And you know, I will say this: the f- I will be not surprised if this gets nominated for costume design because sure. a lot of quote unquote fashion movies have horrible fashion. But I would say that there was a lot of good costuming happening in the trailer. So, and the I'll dress she's wearing is like, yeah, I could I could definitely see that. Maybe hair and makeup too, depending on how the the split dye is treated. But her face is covered in makeup throughout this thing she's like pale white i mean they literally are kind of going for a joker type thing in some of these shots it looks like Mm -hmm. yeah you know she was born bad born brilliant and a little (laughs) bit mad you know oh is that because she's just come up with that no that's literally in the trailer i was born brilliant born bad and a little bit mad and then she like laughs and it's like okay (laughs) yeah this is the joker (laughs) i love it when americans use british sayings and movie trailers that's perfect oh gosh the thing is too is it's like she was in the favorite she can do a convincing british accent and then but she's trying to mimic the british accent of you know, Corella DeVille, and it's like, this is painful. How am I going to sit through this movie? It's also a rough story to do in 2020, like, with how woke and how aware everyone is, especially Disney's core audience right now of younger people. Like, you're going to... I don't know that making a dog murderer nice is going to be the easiest thing to accomplish here. Yeah, but also I think we need to consider the fact that this is going to be released on... They're going to do premiere access on Disney Plus like they did with Mulan. Mulan did not do well. And, you know, I think even less people want to see this movie than they than people wanted to see Mulan. And Mulan still tanked. So... That's a good point. I don't know how this is going to go. This is like a Disney Plus dumping ground picture kind of deal. It's a shame because the cast is just stupendous. It's just... Yeah. Oh, I mean, what if they just lean into the, the dog killer jokes it's just one after another and at the end of the movie it's just like a cat in a top hat just well okay since this is the origin story my question is is are they going to have her disdain of puppies start from childhood or is it going to develop over time because i feel like 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 the only way like why does she decide puppies that's what i want to skin i want to skin dalmatians not any other animal you know like i I feel feel sick just saying this hearing so bad (laughs) exactly that's why this movie is doomed and especially if they tried like if they write it so puppies attack her as a kid or something and like they try to vilify puppies i don't think that's gonna go over very well the same yeah. angry, the same angry confusion I get while watching all your TikTok videos because I don't know what it is. I'm getting right now at this movie <laughs> premise. 
<laughs> so, I don't know that uh, the defense of Cruella is, is going to come from any three of us, but it's going to be in theaters and on Disney Plus premiere. Like Amanda just said, they're going to handle it like they handled Mulan. That's uh, coming oh, wait, out in a couple weeks. Are they doing theaters? That's the, the big advertisement I've seen. It says in theaters or order it on Disney Plus premiere. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. So I think they're trying to salvage some sort of box. I mean, with this cast attached, you would think, like, everybody loves Emma Stone. You're yeah. going to get people in a theater for Emma Stone, I would think. So they got to be trying to recoup some money. But I also know this movie was absolutely hammered all throughout social media whenever its first trailer dropped. Mm-hmm. So, I, I guess it, it remains to be seen. I, I Hot start. Yeah, I think all three of us are very worried about this one. Uh, I think that's fair to say. And uh, if you're a fan of it, I, I'd love to know what kind of optimism you see coming out of the first looks we've had. All right, Michael. Number okay. one, go ahead. 3,000 Years of Longing <laughs> is my first title, guys. This is coming from George Miller, director of Mad Max Fury Road. He's made a handful of movies. He made made some good kids' movies. He wrote Babe. He directed Happy Feet. Uh, Lorenzo Zoyle, which I want to say as one word whenever I think of it, because it's just fun. (laughs) Uh, But he made all the Mad Max movies. And he doesn't make movies that often. And and they're usually good and well-received. So, you know, you'd think he'd make a good movie here. He's been planning this one for a while. But basically, this is about a scholar, Tilda Swinton, I'm guessing, who encounters an Arabian genie, a djinn, and she's offered three wishes in exchange for his freedom, and their conversation in a hotel room in Istanbul leads to consequences neither would have expected. All right, that's a premise. Tilda Swinton, Idris Elba. Idris Elba, of course, uh, McCavity from Cats, as you know, Amanda. (laughs) Uh, My favorite movie of 2019. (laughs) So... I kind of have a laundry list of red flags, okay? Okay. Uh, rule number one in any genie story is you don't fall in love with the genie because it's probably not going to work. Uh, you think you think that's happening here? Well, if it's going to work, she's got to stay alive for 3,000 years for it to work. Huh. I'm just... Okay, I'm lost already. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. I should have mentioned the genre. The genre is epic fantasy romance. So when you have McCavity and Helena Marcos, that's hot. We know this. So it's got to be a fantasy romance. Dripping with sex. 3,000 Years of Longing is the title. So this is, this is the okay, Mad Max okay, Fury Road okay. director. Okay, but 3,000 Years of Longing, could that be the gin longing for freedom and it's been trapped for 3,000 years? Is that where that's coming from? Because when I hear... Uh, wishes in exchange for his freedom. I'm assuming that the person making the wishes is then going to be trapped in the new gin. Like it, they're, they're going to be trapped now. That's my oh. understanding of this myth. Oh, that's interesting. Did you just guess the twist and you're smarter than us as well as more popular? <laughs> wow. I was, I'm waiting to be convinced that this isn't just George Miller's Aladdin. How is, <laughs> how is this not Aladdin? <laughs> well, I swing. mean, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well all right i have some that may be and that that's probably a better movie uh just like, but at the same time if like they're doing a uh, what's that uh before sunset trilogy mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. with these two that we've never met before in an epic fantasy romance and one of them's a genie 
I don't know. Again, couple again, couple red flags. Rather than okay, they keep meeting for three thousand years and they long for each other. All right, that's a better movie. I agree with you, Amanda. I agree. Okay. <laughs> uh, character names, just worrisome character names. Sugar Lump. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a joke in the Google Doc. What? <laughs> Sugar Lump is a name of a, a character in three thousand mm-hmm. years of longing. To be fair, no, that Mike, sounds that's... like what some hillbilly will call boobs, like sugar lumps. Right? <laughs> like that's what that's what that sounds like. I'm surprised we didn't hear that name more this past year from uh, certain movies we watched. Yeah, Could have uh, me some sugar lumps. And, and, it, and it just gets weirder because you got a name like Sugar Lump, and you got these names from like inside this college classroom, this fake college classroom. Jocular storyteller, narratologist, narratology student. <laughs> what is going on here? Now, it gets weirder. There's a character named Lurking Bystander and Unsettling Man. Two separate characters. Okay. Do you, do you, do you don't think those are descriptions? you think those are actual characters in the movie? I would yeah, love yeah, for there to be a real character called Lurking I mean, Bystander. I mean, I have a theory that this is going to be a sort of... Uh, Gosh, uh, the labyrinth type of story, or sorry, not the labyrinth, uh, uh, Princess Bride type of thing, where they're telling the story and then we are seeing the story played out at the same time. Could you it want be Peter that? Falk giving a giving a bedtime story to a young Ben Savage, but to start yes. as like the premise of this? <laughs> yes. And, and this story is about how Tilda Swinton wants to fuck Idris Elba. <laughs> <laughs> it's her own fan fiction. <laughs> What if he's just his character, McCavity from Cats? <laughs> Incredible. Can that work? Impeccable. Look, I mean, to defend it, George Miller's track record recently is pretty immaculate, right? Yeah, but mm-hmm. he's not the best at dialogue, and this has just got to be a purely dialogue-driven film, right? Well, if he's naming a character jocular storyteller, no, I don't know that. Uh, <laughs> Plus, he usually... That- Dubs his audio over the top of everything he's done, and it's really strange. Huh. Can you imagine that in an epic fantasy romance with a genie starring McCavity? I just... I, I don't know that the world would be ready for any kind of sexual tension between Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton. Like, those are two... They're both gorgeous, but they're both very unique individuals. Okay, well, I will say this. It depends how human the gin is, I guess you could say. Because mm. the thing with TikTok especially <laughs> is they're, they're very into the fantasy TikTok. romance, okay? They're very into the forbidden love thing, okay? Especially book talk, okay? The book side of TikTok. So they could latch on to this movie. They could give it an audience. You think George Miller <laughs> is making a movie... <laughs> To target book talk? No, I'm just saying they may have, you know, an unexpected audience in TikTok. Oh, my God. George Miller. That's how most things have been doing very well, is they just surprisingly get latched onto by TikTok, and they decide, yes, these are my characters. I will write 6,000 pages of fan fiction for them. So I was worried that we were going to poo-poo some of these titles today, but you just did more for 3,000 years of longing to sell right. it for MGM. Right. MGM may build their, you know, new studio, their new name on the that pillar of TikTok. 
Oh my goodness. George Miller is the puppeteer of all of this. Yes. He's the one that's in most in tune with the young audience. <laughs> I mean, audiences are going to be a question that I have coming up too, but I, I guess if... So, when you were reading the description, Mike, what was that movie with uh, Cloud Atlas? Was that it with Tom Hanks and Holly Berry and they played a billion different versions of themselves? Yeah, that was going through my... I, I kind of pictured the opposite of Amanda, but Amanda actually convinced me the plot is different. <laughs> but I pictured, I pictured that they would just meet... That they were longing for each other, because I immediately, you know, my brain went that way. And over 3,000 years, I was like, 3,000 years in a plot is not going to work. And Cloud Atlas didn't work for that reason. (laughs) Uh, But Tilda Swinton, she's like obsessed with uh, immortals. Like she's done it in other Mm. movies. Only Lovers Left Alive, Mm. The Dead Don't Die, The Eternal Daughter is her new movie. She came out with uh, Suspiria where... One of her she's trying to characters. tell us something, I think. Uh, she, maybe she's leaving breadcrumbs about she's her real identity. Jin. Yes, this really <laughs> happened. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I'm actually immortal. <laughs> her and Idris Elba really lived this movie. Maybe oh the, the best movie of the year, I guess. You guys totally it's convinced just me. just a documentary. <laughs> George Miller. I would say, uh, yeah, probably reasons. I, I'm more... I'm less, I, well, there, to be fair, we haven't seen anything from 3,000 Years of Longing yet, but I, mm-hmm. I'm less skeptical. I'm more willing to give George Miller the benefit of the doubt than I am from anything I've seen from Cruella thus far. <laughs> yeah, fair. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think, especially after the year we've had, people want weird because they don't want reality. So mm. it depends, again, how weird this movie is. I like that. <laughs> like, it could be just weird enough that, like, people are like, you have to see it. If 3,000 Years of Longing takes over TikTok, I'm just going to give up. (laughs) (laughs) If I properly predicted TikTok's uh, You've just laid out exactly what's going to happen with this movie, and Mike and I are just staring dumbfounded with our mouths open. (laughs) How? I think I then own Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I think (laughs) think that's what happens. Yep. I think you're on your way to doing that as it is, but uh, all right. Uh, two down. I'll throw in my name. Uh, my first look here is uh, The Last Duel. It's something I alluded to in our last episode where I thought there might be problems, but here's how the synopsis reads. King Charles VI declares that Knight Jean de Carrejou settled his dispute with his squire by challenging him to a duel. So in terms of the cast... Was that painful is... for you to pronounce that? <laughs> that sounded like it hurt. A lot of things hurt. My well, everything scared. hurts. Everything, <laughs> everything always hurts at all times when you're our age. <laughs> Let me break that down in terms of the cast. We got Ben Affleck, King of France. Of course. Declares that French-accented Matt Damon partake in the final government-sanctioned duel to the death against Kylo Ren, who's accused of having raped Jodie Comer. Oh. As envisioned by the guy who gave us Prometheus and the Counselor as back-to-back directorial offerings. This one just seems fraught with all kinds of issues to me. Okay. I'm going because of Jodie Cormer, because I love her. Yes. But Same. you put the word, the R word in there, and so I'm like, ooh. Uh, but yes. then also, <laughs> I, I, I have to point out that you say Ben Affleck, King of France, declares that French-accented Matt Damon... Does Ben Affleck not have a French accent as the King of France in this movie? The only <laughs> look we've had so far is Ben Affleck wearing this like platinum golden blonde, both hair and mini goatee, just oh, the beard. No. Oh no. It doesn't look great, but oh, we've seen God. Ben Affleck try accents before and they didn't 
go so well. He I just gives say. up halfway through, and it's he's a boy from Southie. <laughs> I wonder, but could it be like Robert Pattinson? And gosh, uh, was it uh, the devil oh, yeah. all the time, where his accent just changes every single sentence? Ugh, that didn't he, make that movie better. No. <laughs> Exactly. But it was more entertaining for Twitter. <laughs> I, I, I get like, I, I just think, I think Ridley Scott has a lot to prove. I think Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, I think they both have a bit of a mired history of kind of putting their foot in their mouths about some things having to do with, I mean, Matt Damon basically came out in, in 2019, I remember. And he was like, you know, there's a difference between raping somebody and giving someone a pat on the butt. And it's like, hey, that's not reading the room very well. You shouldn't say that and or believe that. And uh, Alyssa Vaughn, I want to say, of bostonmagazine.com may have put this in better terms than I can when she was dis- discussing the outrage that Twitter had in 2019 when this movie was announced. And this is from her article, quote, Speaking of Goodwill Hunting, because obviously those are Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, probably best known for the last time they collaborated on the script. For those of you who have found the Boston classic to be a little problematic upon a contemporary watch, here's some good news. It's 2019. Matt Damon spent a whole year doing some thoughtful backseat reflection, and it's no longer acceptable for a film to use women as plot drivers in a story that ultimately that's ultimately about a bunch of white, hyper-masculine guys. That's why The Last Duel will use women as plot drivers in a story that's ultimately about a bunch of white hyper-masculine guys <laughs> in medieval times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fraught with problems, okay. right? <laughs> yeah, but I love period pieces, so I'll, I'll at least watch this. That's the thing, you know? And then I'll probably complain about it because that's how I make money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so... I, I honestly have heard nothing about this prior to this taping, so I'm I'm very intrigued to see what this does. Because again, I'm sorry, the premise is very thin. Like declares the knight to settle his debut with his squire by challenging him to a duel. Okay, are we gonna get a two-hour film out of that? Well. It gets more problem. I did, when I say research, I mean Wikipedia. So take that for what it's worth. But like when I was looking up the actual duel about this, apparently if Driver kills Damon, I don't know how the duel turns out. I didn't do that much research. But if Driver kills Damon, then Jodie Comer, who Damon's, you know, defending her honor in this Mm -hmm. rape accusation, they're going to put Jodie Comer to death too. So that doesn't seem oh, like it geez. translates very well for a 2021 plot. I don't care what kind of movie it is, whether it's a period piece or a modern day thing. I mean, it sounds to me like they're using a, a rape accusation to have a dick measuring contest. Yeah. Directed by Ridley Scott. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know that that's going to go over well. And I mean, if you look at Scott's history as it is, he has both this and House of Gucci coming out this year and this movie's coming out first this is october house of gucci comes out in uh the next month in in november ridley scott will do better right and everyone expects house of gucci to be better and ridley scott has never had back-to-back certified fresh directorial efforts in his entire career and the last movie he came out with was all the money in the world which was certified fresh i I just this one seems like a time bomb to me Mm mm-hmm Starring two guys who suck at accents. <laughs> oh no, this is terrible. Oh so yeah, no, it's rough. We're three for three in terms of movies that are t- 
tough to defend so far, and I think we're doing at least an okay job of making the arguments as to why. Look, we're three relatively level-headed people. If all of us are agreeing that these movies are issues, I mean, never mind that we're three critics in both the pop culture and entertainment spheres, there's reason to worry, I would say, if we're all on the same page so far. I'm worried, but I've also queued up the book, the audio book in my thing, because that's what old people do. (laughs) (laughs) We're bored more often than you guys, and we, like, go on walks and we have audio books. Like, if I was ever attacked by a bear. (laughs) Yeah, podcasts and audio books. And if I was attacked by a bear, I wouldn't even know it until I was getting mauled, like, because I'm walking in nature to audio books. Well, see, I listen to murder podcasts while I'm hiking alone in the woods. So, I mean, that's the, yeah, it's like I'm inviting (laughs) something to happen, basically. Like, they found her body buried six feet, and then it's like, (laughs) walking past a dark road. It's a beautiful day! (laughs) (laughs) She has the reverse jinx uh, gene. Like, that's, she's just living that. There's no, listen. Of the three of us who I am least concerned if they were to be accosted or, like, had to fight for their lives, Amanda's making it out fine. You and I are screwed. Amanda's just going to be, like, walking through the plot of Those Who Wish Me Dead. She's going to be the Zazzy Beats character from Deadpool 2. There's this trend on TikTok where it's like, you've been kidnapped. They return you two hours later. What did you talk about? And it's like, I have a list of things I can talk about that would make them be like, okay, we just need to drop her off. Like, just get rid of her. We're not doing that. No, you guys, listen. This is what the Omegaverse is. (laughs) Here is how Taylor Swift and Harry Styles maybe had committed vehicular manslaughter. Let me tell you about this. Here is why Nicki Minaj and Tom Holland are in love and having a child let me tell you <laughs> i'm waiting for the plot twist of this to end with also mike becoming the biggest star book talk has ever seen <laughs> based on my review of three thousand years of longing yes. i'm the next pauline kale who breaks out on tiktok yes thank you yes pauline kale with her huge tiktok following as we all know <laughs> amanda your second movie okay I chose this movie purely because I want to yell about uh, the pregnancy horror because that is something I can, I just, pregnancy as a concept is horrifying to me. (laughs) Let's isolate ourselves from both everyone in Hollywood and women in general. Go ahead. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So we've got Old from M. Night Shyamalan. Okay. It's based on a uh, graphic novel. Uh, called hmm. Sandcastle by Pierre Oscar Levy and Frederick Peters. I'm sorry, my handwriting is horrible. Um, it's going to be released in July. But basically the premise is that a family is on a tropical vacation and they discover a secluded beach that they've been relaxing on for a few hours. And it's causing them to age rapidly, reducing their lives to a single day. No. Ugh. So I deny. the land of Benjamin Button? <laughs> It's okay. See, that's the thing because it starts, it seems like the children. So the youngest, it's literally a whole family. It's like two groups. They've been chilling on this beach. They took a bus there. So it's like, okay, obviously someone knew where this beach was. Okay. Something's, this is all, I'm just going off of the trailer here. They seem to know where the beach was. They're chilling there. And then the kids decide they're going to play hide and seek. But before they go and play hide and seek, the boy goes to the mom and is like, mom, my swim trunks hurt. And she's like, yeah, they do seem a little small. The kids go see hide, go play hide and seek. 
And then she's like, have you seen my children? And then her young son, who was maybe like five or six, is now like a teenager played by Alex Wolf. And, you know, it's like, so it's like they're rapidly aging. But what screws me up is the daughter, who is a child, is suddenly a teenager and then gives birth. Okay, so it's not even just rapidly aging. This the, the beach somehow impregnated this teenager. Okay, and made her give birth to a child. No, I'm done. I'm done. And she's like screaming, mom, I'm scared as her stomach is growing. No, I'm done. I'm over it. I, I won't see this movie for that alone. <laughs> Look, if there's one director in Hollywood who can, who has enough tact to pull off the land impregnating you, I think we all agree it's M. Night Schnell. <laughs> that is oh terrifying. My God. It's, yeah, because it's like, what what is it like is it the beach is it the sand is there a way to get out of this because all the trailer shows everyone aging so i'm like okay so they're just gonna die like you're doomed you're done what's well, okay not if they took a bus there <laughs> take exactly, the bus that's back the thing, though, but it's like how long like is 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 it a cursed land is it already infecting them is it a virus like what is happening what is going on who brought them to this island who brought them to this beach i don't know i'm annoyed Pregnancy horror, not for me. <laughs> How is there a beach? Also, I'm sorry, giving birth on the sand, nightmare. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All valid concerns. <laughs> I, um, I feel like I can defend this one easier than the other one. Like, there's a, there's a really good character cast here. Like, Thomas mm-hmm. and McKenzie... Uh, Alex Wolf, who you mentioned, Vicky Crapes is in this, Eliza Scanlon's in this. These are all names of people who were in recent movies that we all, like, we praise their performance. Vicky Crapes yes. was great in Phantom Thread. And they've all been in, like, horror-adjacent, if not outright horror. I mean, who everyone remembers Alex Wolf from Hereditary, obviously. So mm. there's talent here attached. I think we can expect at least decent performances, but it, it doesn't See? sound like the performances are what we're worried about. Yeah, but I will say this. In the trailer, and if you have seen the trailer, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like everyone is saying their line for the first time, and I don't mean that in it feels natural. I mean that in they got the script the day they were filming, and I don't think that's ever a good sign. The the flow was not smooth in the, in, in line, dialogue deliveries. It was it was awkward. I agree, but here's here's devil's advocacy. The best I can do. Uh-huh. Each one of these elements that you mention seems to genuinely scare you. Like, these are primal uh, things that actually give you terror. So maybe... Yes. You know, maybe you don't put them all in one movie, but it, 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 there's something there. This was a I movie mean, specifically yeah, a written wh- to freak out Amanda? Yes, <laughs> specifically. Well, it's like, like okay, your whole life is reduced to a single day. Okay, that's your 20s. Everyone feels like that. So I get it, okay? Like, <laughs> I, I get it. It's just Gen Z being mad at millennials, the movie. Right. I mean, I guess, but like, I, I don't know. Because it's like, again, this is based on a graphic novel. I do want to mm. read the graphic novel because I'm like, okay, I think there's, I do think medium matters. I think certain things work better in literature than they will on big screen, and that's just how it's always going to be. But Good I break. also think that certain graphic novels can be horrifying, and they get away with certain things, and I think that's great. So I don't know how this is going to translate, because just because something was successful in a different medium does not mean it's automatically going to be successful 
on the big screen. And I think we have seen historically that it's often not the case and it's the complete opposite and it's just not successful whatsoever. I know nothing about the graphic novel other than in doing research for this. I know it's highly recommended. I know everyone, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people that have glowing things to say about it. And then it Mm -hmm. always seemed to end with, but oh God, Shyamalan's got this. So who knows what that means? I mean, uh, in all seriousness, like look at The Last Airbender. There's no no property more beloved than The Last Airbender. Oh God. We don't don't talk about that. Exactly. We don't don't discuss that. Can I give you guys one practical uh, movie critic concern? Sure. Yes. Like, if this movie does not win Best Makeup and Hairstyling, it's going to suck. Just <laughs> flat. Flat out. Well, see, that's the thing. They cast different actors for each part, I think. So I don't even think that's... Like, there there, there may be a little bit of practical effects or CGI to, like, so age them some degree. But I think for the most part, they're just like, okay, you're the child. You're the teenager. You're the old man. Here you go. Oh. You know? Like, are they going to show us the aging? Because, I mean, with the hide-and-seek thing, the kids just walk out and now they're teenagers. Are we going to get to see them actually aging? Is this going to be one of those lame twists where it's like, it's just a bunch of child abductors and they're just fucking with the new people on the island and they actually kidnap the kids? I mean, huh. And it was all it in Pennsylvania. At- right. It, 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 yeah, it's all like I'm, I'm fucking Staten Island or something. It's the, no, because every one of his movies is in Pennsylvania. So it's like the Bermuda Triangle was in Pennsylvania all along. Oh, my God. Murder Dirter. Did you guys see that sketch? Murder. Oh. Murder Dirter. That's a... That was a, killed my viewing of Mayor of Easttown, by the way. That's skit. Um... All right. Uh, well, so this movie's going to end with a, just a vacant beach. Like, we already know the ending. So what happens before the ending? It's just like Joaquin Phoenix with his hands in the air, I don't know, to a still of a uh, headshot of Anthony Hopkins. I mean, what the is the porky en- pig, that's all, folks, comes across the, the screen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's uh, universal? It's a, no, watch. It's just going to be another bus delivering more, another family. That'll be the ending. Like, yeah. oh, it's never ending. Like, that's what it'll be. It's like, are we feeding the beach? What is happening? But is it so, like... <laughs> Are we, we all talk what we talk about M. Night Shyamalan movies, but I know, I, speaking for myself, I have no expectations for them anymore, but I still am going to see them. Are you guys going to see this? I'll see it and then I'll probably like go get a popcorn refill when the pregnancy thing, I'm like, that's coming. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so this is not necessarily... Uh, for for obvious reasons, uh, a compilation tape of all my pet peeves and greatest fears. So I, yeah, of course I'm seeing this, Mike. Are you? Are you have to see this, don't you? I'm going. Yeah, I'm. I no matter what, wonder, the tomatoes. Like, at yeah. what point? What can Shyamalan do to turn me off of one of his movies at this point? Because I think everything, all the critiques we've had are are spot on so far. But like, I'm just I'm still a sucker. So maybe he's just got it made more <laughs> than anyone in Hollywood. How does he do it, too? Because Glass He can't was... keep getting away with this. Right. Glass was just Bruce Willis breathing heavily for most of that movie. And we all went to see it. Yeah. I had a college professor that that's all she would have needed. Like, that's, that's all. Yeah, Her you... and me both, like, let me tell you. <laughs> I guess we're, sell- we're somehow... We're we're hard selling these, all of them. I know. My God, what what Not have we Cruella. done? Not Cruella, <laughs> except for Cruella. All right, who's up now? <laughs> I think that's you, Mike. Okay. All right, I have 
being the Ricardos, okay? Mm. Being the Ricardos is about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin from Amazon. Mike and I, we talked about it a little bit in the last episode. All right, again, everybody's mad at boomers, so I'm worried here. (laughs) That's a laugh based in fact. She knows it's true. (laughs) The whole world. Okay, so here's here's something that's kind of positive. Again, this is a movie that I'm worried about with a great premise, I think, because it takes place over the course of a week during production of I Love Lucy, which sees Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz encountering a crisis that could jeopardize their careers and their marriage. So I, th- I think Aaron Sorkin wrote the script for Steve Jobs, Mike. This sounds like Steve Jobs' premise for, for I Love Lucy, which is intriguing, right? Yeah, and there's a lot of controversy. I mean, there was a lot of notoriety between Desi and Lucy in real life. If you go back and, and like watch anything about the history of their marriage, it was fraught with issues, and the, the spotlight was constantly on it. So I think there's, look, for as worried as you are about like George Miller dialogue, I think you should be excited about Sorkin being in charge of this one. Hmm. So, all right, we're... Aaron Sorkin is is making some interesting films these days. Like he, he, I guess if you're trying to make a movie without women in it, you, The Trial of the Chicago Seven is a success. Success. If Gross. you're trying to make a movie without people of color, then this movie is a success. Yeah, like that's, everybody uh, was oh my mad. God. Yeah. Everybody was mad about Javier Bardem being like, and it's not just because he looks like evil Desi Arnaz, which again <laughs> you can interpret it in many ways. But he, you know, he's just his ethnicity is is not connected to the character i mean he's spanish the character's cuban this is Mm -hmm. the most notorious cuban-american who's ever lived Mm -hmm. and the people are upset it's a legitimate Um, gripe so Mm -hmm. that's one thing um but like the there's other red flags here beyond beyond those even i i just worried about nicole kidman playing Lucille Ball. Like, it's almost an impossible role for her. And as good as she was in that one scene in the prom, I really do worry. I really do worry after Bewitched. Like, okay, she grew up watching TV, and she's been, she's been, you know, good for 30 years, as we said, Mike. She's had a few slumps in her career, but she's, mm-hmm. you know, this is not a slump. She's on, like, a five-year high. Like, everything she's done, she's been right. great in. Javier Bardem mm-hmm. rarely makes a bad movie. I even like the the one he made with uh, Penelope Cruz for Oscar Farhadi that uh, I thought that was pretty good. Anyway, 50% or so can go either way. This one, this one I just can't get bewitched out of my head, and I'm mad at Aaron Sorkin after 2020. Can you guys talk me out of this movie not sucking? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I see you're avoiding a joke in there. <laughs> That's in the uh, the uh, the uh, Google Doc um, about I have to. the yeah. uh, the 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 Botox addiction that Nicole Kidman seems to have. Um, <laughs> but how can you play the most expressive comedian in the history of time with a plastic face? I just I hate it because it drives me nuts. She's been the most beautiful woman on the planet for thirty years. And it drives me crazy. Don't do that. Why has she done this? There's also the cast of Arrested Development is in this. Like, what tone are they going? Like, <laughs> Alia Shawcott and Tony Hale are going to play yeah. a pretty significant role. What tone are they going for with this? With J.K. Simmons, who can do both. And obviously, the on-screen couple of Lucy and Desi was very comedic. I would imagine this is going to focus more on the dramatic chops, which Bardem and mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman, I think, are suited for. And Aaron Sorkin best writes for. 
<sighs> I do think that the uh, the comedic elements of them playing their characters and then the off-screen dramatic elements, I do think that could be really cool if done mm. right. Right. I feel like this is boom or bust. I mean, for, for a lot of yeah. aspects of it. Like, I feel like Nicole Kidman, this could be an easy... I mean, we know how much the Academy loves biopics. This could be an easy road to an Oscar, or at least an Oscar nom for her. Or it could just, like you're saying, Mike, blow up in everyone's face. And I could well, actually mm-hmm. absolutely see it going either way. I wouldn't if put it, money on it. If it's a Aaron Sorkin script that has, you know, the Fred Hampton story in the backdrop, plus, don't, you know, don't fret, we also have Sasha Baron Cohen doing right. vaudeville. Right. It'll still be good. Like, let's, like we, let's minimalize the important stuff so we can uh, focus on what I want to talk about with this movie, that, which yeah. didn't work so well. They're I just mean, eating cookies off a conveyor belt, but here's you know, right. things <laughs> happening in the background that are just It's all... just two hours of Nicole Kidman eating chocolate as it goes by. <laughs> I just, yeah, there's just some red flags. Like, the, Agent Phil Coulson's in it, J.K. Simmons... <laughs> Alia Shaw, Shaw Cat. I even love Nina Arianda. I love her in everything, and she's won Tonys, and she's playing Vivian Vance. So I feel like mm-hmm. this – I'm hoping that this is like ther- a therapeutic exercise for me. All these movies that I secretly really want to like that I'm worried about. I don't know that's if that's – the undertone of it. Like I yeah. think with something like old, we're expecting it – you know, it's going to be awesomely bad if nothing else. We're expecting – we have low expectations. This one, we like the talent attached and it could be good. We like the story and it could be good, but the, we mm. want it to be good as opposed to all the other ones. I mean like something like a Shyamalan movie, it's sometimes almost better if it's not the greatest. Not, you know, The Last mm-hmm. Airbender notwithstanding, but like something like The Village. The Village was awesomely bad. You know, this one, you kind of, you don't want it to screw up. You don't want it to come off as farcical or comical. See, the thing is, though, is like, okay, encounter a crisis that could jeopardize their careers and marriage. Do we know what the crisis is? Or like, historically, do we know what this was? Our parents do. I remember there was... Yeah, we don't, but our parents... Not that I know (laughs) specifically, but I know there was issues with like alcoholism in their marriage, if I'm remembering right. But I don't know if, like, maybe Lucille Ball murdered somebody and hid the body with Desi one night. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, how how big, how dark is this crisis? Because I think that is going to be, like, is this an affair? Is this alcoholism? Is this, like, is this a dead body in the closet? Like, what is this? <laughs> They're both six-year-old children who just made it off the island from old and nobody told them. <laughs> <laughs> Secret love child, I'm thinking something, you know? Yeah, could be. What if she just doesn't stop eating chocolate the whole movie and it's just... <laughs> the crisis is that she's lactose intolerant. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm almost too nervous about the movie to make jokes about it at this point. I really feel down the well. Just have some vitamin of Vegemin, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable callback joke. That's a joke we should be making. I know. I was like, I got to slip this in there somewhere. <laughs> wow. A plus job there. Um, do we give Amazon any credit, Mike? Yeah. One Night Miami, I thought was good. And yeah. I mean, they handled last year very, very well. Mm-hmm. Sorkin at least had, you know, he's familiar to the Academy, obviously, and there was support for that movie last year, talking about the trial of Chicago Seven at some point. So it could be good, right? Paul Racy got an Oscar nom. Yeah, 
they did a great job last year. Amazon Studios has been doing pretty well, not just in their movies, but also in their um, limited series and series in general. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think they, they, I think they don't put all their eggs in one basket. I think they really just pick good things to put their money into at this point, which is surprising. So hopefully this is going to be another case of that. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. fingers crossed because I do want that one to be good. But uh, for my number two, my, I'm just more upset. This is this could be quick and I'm just disappointed at like what I saw. But as far as big studios that like I was depressed with it, Luca, mm-hmm. that trailer for Luca from Pixar, I thought it looked really, really bad. Like we went from the magic picture-perfect settings of Paris and Ratatouille to the bustling New York City that looked like a photograph in Seoul. That oh, wondrous... Seoul was incredible. <laughs> right. Like the, that garbage dump land of Wally and the lush forests of Up. And now we have like some knockoff call-me-by-your-name-looking town that looks so lifeless and desolate like they're just drawn onto the background for this animated film. It looked like they belong in animated short films from where I sat. I mean, has a Pixar preview ever looked worse than what Luca had? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> this is the home of my ancestors. But don't you, doesn't that infuriate you because of that? I think it looked fine. Like, the setting to me, like, it was. here's what was gorgeous. Like, the, the nighttime shots were gorgeous. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the water was cartoony, hokey kind of, I agree with that. I think water's difficult, though. Water's like ice. Yeah. Like, it's like... Like, I, I think the best looking ice I've ever seen is frozen. But I mean, I think you have to have ice looking good in that, you know? So it's like water is one of those difficult to animate things. But they didn't look wet underwater. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you wet if you're underwater or are you submerged underwater? Like, are you just in water at that point? Are you actually wet or are you just in water? Are we going to have is the water wet argument right now and flush that out wholly? <laughs> we might as well. <laughs> But, like, this, Pixar is known for, like, in 2001, animating every single individual hair on Mikey from Monsters, Inc. Like, you can't yeah. get water right 20 years later? I don't I mean, think yeah. they got it wrong, though, did they? It I don't looks think it's, so yeah, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. Well, okay, well, also, this is a trailer. It's not the movie itself, as always. But, I mean, I guess you could say that with everything we're talking about. But, you know, I don't know. I don't think... It looks plain. It's water. I don't know what you <laughs> like. What it, it looks so plain to me. Yeah, it's water. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you want it to start singing? Do you want it to burst into song? In like, a Pixar movie? Want? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> the plot is a little strange. I'll, I'll I'll agree with you guys on the plot because it's just like an older brother and a younger brother who were mer people, and they who just like go to the surface paint. and. Yeah, have wagons, and they're doing what? I don't know. <laughs> I will say I do like the mermaid design itself because I think mermaid, it's always like human with fishtail, but like the mer people side of things actually looks like kind of fun. Like they actually look like fish. Mm. Yeah, look like- I, I agree with that. I mean, it's not, it mm-hmm. is still Pixar. You're going to have your animated goods regardless. I don't understand why water is the only thing that, like, if they, they, do they always become human if they're out of the water? Like, if they jump like a dolphin does, or is that a human diving well, in the water I'm deep into the ocean? Well, I'm assuming that the plot of the movie will tell us. No, I'm not, I'm not here for that. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> here's, yeah, here's where I'm out. Like, the, 
the, they had one good joke when Water got on the character and he turned back into a mermaid for a second. That was funny for once, but the last minute of the trailer is just Water getting put on the character and he he loses his Italian goomba hair and it turns into a fish. <laughs> That's the last minute of the trailer. It just stopped. Did being either funny. of you ever watch the show H two O or Mako no. Mermaids? It was an Australian show about teenagers becoming mermaids. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like my generation was obsessed <laughs> with it, but it's basically that. Where <laughs> Your question was, hey, two old men. <laughs> you know what? Now that you say that, <laughs> you're you right. That was Australian dumb mermaid show. I mean, I don't know what you guys do in your free time when you're not listening to audiobooks. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so how is okay. this not the movie? How is this not the movie that becomes the hit on TikTok then? It could very well be because, again, animation is a big thing. There's a big art, you know, side of TikTok and animation. And again, people like the fantasy elements of it all. Mermaids are always a hot topic among millennials. So we'll see how this goes. I'm sure people will be like, I want to be a Luca mermaid or whatever. You know, I'm sure we'll see a resurgence of the girl boss mermaid merch. I'm sure we will be seeing that. Um, so I don't know. This could also be adopted by them. I mean, it'll be interesting. Mike, what do you call a, a, a mermaid boy, though? Merman, dad. Oh, mer, but a merman. A mercer. What? Mer. A mercer? So a mercer. <laughs> mermaid. Mersquire. Mercer. Oh Mersquire. Oh, my goodness. Mercer. <laughs> Uh, it's going right to Disney Plus. I mm. think that might oh, be... Oh, are they doing premiere or are they doing just a release? Because if that's just a release, then they have less faith in it, I think. Oh, that's a good call. I'm not sure. I know it's avoiding theaters, but let me see if that's uh, if that's available right now. But I know it's going right to Disney Plus. And the director uh, is an Oscar nom for, ironically, I think he's an Oscar winner, actually. Uh, no, Oscar nom for, ironically enough, an animated short previously. He was actually nominated for an Annie Award as well, but for his work on The Good Dinosaur for specifically mm-hmm. the storyboard work on The Good Dinosaur, so which is one of the weaker Pixar films. I mean, Mike, we did that whole Pixar rewatch that we both had that very low, and I think it's one of the lower-rated ones on Rotten Tomatoes, too. So I definitely. snuck into that movie when I was in high school before I had to go gift-wrapping at Barnes & Noble, and I just remember I walked in literally as the dad was being murked, and I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to leave. <laughs> I don't belong here. I thought you were going to tell a drug story about uh, you going in. <laughs> To a cartoon movie, and they were having the trip out scene in the Good Dinosaur. Because that happens, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> no, I know that. Uh, it just says, as far as Wikipedia says, anyway, they pulled it from theaters, and huh. it's going to instead stream worldwide on Disney Plus in response to well, COVID. I will say this because what ever since um, God, what was it, Artemis Fowl? When they dropped that, I was like, okay, they have no faith in this movie. But then they dropped Soul the same way, and Soul mm. was adored. And I, I still, I went and watched Soul again with like no sound, honestly, just because I was obsessed with the animation, like the detailing on the sweater, the light mm. work on all of the the instruments, everything. So I will say that it's kind of hard to tell whether or not Disney or Pixar believes in this one with how they're just going to put it on Disney+. Plus. 
So that story again is you watched a cartoon movie about jazz and music on mute, but went to go see Cats in <laughs> for theaters the four times. The second time I watched it, I, the first time I watched it and kept re- rewinding because I was getting d- distracted by the incredible artwork. I'm complimenting the movie. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> but no. But you went to Don't see Cats in theaters a bunch of times to make other people watch it to make watch them suffer. So yes. <laughs> Uh, the streaming, the, the the platforming of this, I don't know if it's going to be on Disney Premiere. That's a good point, Amanda. I, I should have looked that mm-hmm. up. But uh, it, I, I agree. If it's just going on Disney Plus, Soul, I think the difference was, had a lot of momentum going into it. I mean, there was a lot of marketing mm-hmm. done before the first trailer for Soul even came out. Everyone knew what it was. This yeah. one, I don't know about you two, but I, I was not made aware of this one until we actually did our last episode, Mike. And I think it's kind of weird that there's this Pixar movie coming out in a couple months that I've heard nothing about, which usually is rarely the case for a Pixar release. That's scary. And yeah, you're right. Mm. It, it's given me, I looked it up, Mike, it's given me vibes of Timmy Danger. Mistakes were made. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a little worried. <laughs> Timmy Danger. I think it was called Timmy Danger. Was it Timmy Danger? This is just nonstop jokes from our last episode, yeah. Amanda. Just that, yeah. Mike and I only talk to each other. Uh, thank you for joining <laughs> us today. <laughs> What's your third, Amanda? Um, so I wanted to end this on a, a big note, if you will. Um, so okay. Clifford the Big Red Dog. Um, <laughs> okay. Coming out November 5th, so there's very little available about this movie um Mm -hmm. but also this movie is going to be a scorpio like myself so i get to complain about it Um, (laughs) so okay the full imdb uh breakdown says a young girl's love for a tiny puppy named clifford uh makes the dog grow to an enormous size but i found an even better breakdown on the wikipedia that i decide is the better one so As middle schooler Emily Elizabeth struggles to fit in at home and at school, she discovers a small red puppy who is destined to become her best friend from a magical animal rescuer. When Clifford becomes a gigantic red dog in her New York City apartment and attracts the attention of a genetics company who wish to supersize animals, Emily and her clueless uncle Casey have to fight the forces of greed as they go on the run across New York City and take a bite out of the Big Apple. Along the way, Clifford affects the lives of everyone around him and teaches Emily and her uncle the true meaning of acceptance and unconditional love. Clifford will teach the world how to love big. Now, I did far too much research into Clifford Cannon for this. The only use that I have for this information is if I get into a debate with a toddler. But I I did my research, okay? So directed by uh, Walt Becker, Old Dogs, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Ship, okay? Starring Darby Campus, Emily Elizabeth, an actual child playing a child. I'm always a fan of that. Um, yep. And Jack Whitehall as Uncle Casey. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's this. So what happened is last year at the end of uh, the at the end of 2020, there was a teaser trailer dropped. Okay, that was the first official look of Clifford the Big Red Dog, and yes. this went everywhere on Twitter specifically because mm. of one how um, I guess you could say disorienting. The tr- it is because it's a white background showing regular sized dogs, and then it jumps to a giant puppy Clifford and how how uh, 
Clifford will teach people to love big or whatever. Now, ignoring the canon that apparently most dogs in New York are not loved enough to grow to this giant size, we're ignoring <laughs> that um, because that's just really depressing to think about. Now, the thing is, is that Clifford is a small puppy, traditionally. It's the Clifford is the runt of a litter, but now Clifford is from a magical animal rescuer. Are there other large animals that we should be concerned about? What other magical animals should, are out there? You know, and then also it's a small, small regular puppy. Why does Clifford look like a, a poorly rendered painted red Labrador puppy? I'm very confused by the plans here. Also, giant puppy, giant full-grown dog is what we're supposed to be getting. Clifford the big red dog, not Clifford the big red puppy. So I am already right off the bat annoyed, okay? Nightmare fuel, giant puppy, no. <laughs> you didn't even get to the part about how some genetics company is like, this is their big master plan is to just make giant small animals. Well, that seems, you know, like normal. That seems like every day, like, you know, you just have your gen your normal evil genetics company being like, yes, giant animals, that's what we need. It's not even like world no. hunger. Like there's no, like, it's not like, okay, we want to, we like, I don't know what the plan is. Just, they just want giant animals. Okay. Like, are they only wanting dogs? Are they wanting ducks? Like, is this the the magnification of the would you rather fight like a hundred horse size? Yes. Uh, like a duck size horses or yes. would you rather fight one horse size duck? Like, is that what this is? Like, is that where the premise is coming from? Did Jack Whitehall like, is he just going to be making jokes the entire time? I'm really confused. Does he like, have photos of somebody that he got this gig? Why is he in this? Yeah. Oh, no, he's definitely in this. I saw there's like one or two set photos that leaked early. And then I saw a bunch of copyright owners trying to claim them down. But it's like the the motion capture, like stand in for Clifford. And it's just like three dudes lifting up this weird hollow dog like shape red thing. And then it's like Jack Whitehall and then two children. Like <laughs> it's, it's really funny. So you said a lot of smart things there. No. <laughs> I don't mean to deconstruct all of it, but I think Paramount is kind of happy right now after your whole spiel there because I what it does boil down to is why they've sold Clifford books. For, you know, everybody's sold Clifford books for the last hundred years because your criticism is like, why is the dog so big? <laughs> and that's why people are going to go see it, I think. Well, I mean, I it's agree like, again, with you, but I think it's all about how she loves this puppy so much. <laughs> like Clifford was Clifford was the run of the litter. We are later told in a different rendition. I believe it's a uh, Clifford, the big red puppy or Clifford, the little red puppy. One of those stories. OK, again, mm -hmm, I did too mm -hmm. much research. Um, we are told that Clifford, the run of the litter, was not even supposed to survive. Like we're surprised that he lived. OK, but then Mary Elizabeth, OK, loved this dog so much that it grew mm. to bigger than a house, okay? And then we lead to all of these wacky shenanigans because Clifford is just so big. So again, do what is it about this child, okay? Like, are her, if she loves her parents so much, are they going to grow so big? If she loves applesauce, is she going to have a bunch of giant applesauce <laughs> everywhere? Like animal crackers. Is it just animal-related things? Giant animal crackers. <laughs> or is it that... Uh, but according to the synopsis, magical animal rescuer. Are there dragons in this world? Are there magic cats? Is there a giant cat running around? Because that's horrifying. Like, what is happening here? 
I have so many more questions about the <laughs> research you did <laughs> and your your being ingratiated into the Clifford lore. <laughs> like, how deep did this go, Amanda? This I again there's not much about this movie out there, so I had no choice but to dive into the lore. Therefore, this was out of necessity, okay? And I'm not happy about it because even I, I know that if I call up my baby cousins, they're not going to want to debate with me on this. So you are my captive audience, okay? This Skype call is demanding your attention. <laughs> uh, I agree with you in that, much like when we had our first look at Sonic, uh, mm-hmm. Years ago, before they redid it, I was the the first look. I of still Clifford, think that was marketing. I still don't believe they redid it. You think they they purposely put out a bad looking Sonic? Yes, because Ooh. I think they weren't done and they wanted a reason to push the trailer, the release again. Oh, that's a conspiracy theory I can get behind. I hadn't heard that one. That's well. I mean, I think I'd rather hear that than like, hey, we forced our artists to work overtime with the same shitty pay. Yeah, well, and, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, the whole, the whole, how do they actually get that done in time in the truncated period and redesign the entire freaking look of the movie is definitely something that, uh, we talked about that a few times too. It's like, uh, are these guys being paid properly? Are they like being allowed to go to the bathroom Can we do it? Can we do like a wellness check? Can we send them pizza right. to whatever shack they're working at? Right. <laughs> but speaking of having time to go to the bathroom, when you have a dog that big, who cleans up after it? Exactly. I'm sorry. Like, forget horses pooping on the side of the road. No, you have Clifford. Like, and like dog, I'm sorry, dog poop, awful to begin with. Okay. So, but then you have, like, it's something worse. I don't understand how they do it. But then you have Clifford, that giant dog in a New York City apartment with how cramped those things already are. No. Okay, no. Just taking giant loads in front of Trump Tower every day. <laughs> I'm assuming that they're going to, that the only reason Jack Whitehall agreed to this is if he gets to make at least one poop joke. And I feel like that's what we have to, like, look forward to. That should be the whole movie. It's just the father, the unloved father, just complaining about cleaning up poops. And he's Danny DeVito sized because his daughter doesn't care about That's it. what it sounds like. Danny DeVito-sized poops. Oh, well, we're an Oscars podcast. Is this going to be like podcast. a super dark, like, is this going to be a super dark Mary Elizabeth origin story where, like, maybe she's now an orphan, like her parents aren't in the picture, so she only has this dog to love. And then her, uh, why is her uncle going on this journey with her? Why not her parents? You know, like, what is going on in the Mary Elizabeth household that the uncle comes and goes on a, a trek with Mary Elizabeth, this middle schooler, through New York to escape a genetics company trying to steal their giant dog. Like, what is going on in this home life? Literally, all you've done is make me want to book you for a review of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, considering this comes out November 5th, my birthday is November 7th, so I will absolutely come on and talk about this (laughs) It'll be the the MMO Amanda birthday party. Yes. It do- the dog does look disorienting. I completely agree. It was a he's, very odd look for... Yeah, he's blood red, Mike, too. Yeah, it's I know. Like... I, I remember. But, like, different. poorly rendered. It looks weird. Like, it looks, yeah. like, muted, which isn't I good. completely agree with all those criticisms. And it's just, like, it doesn't even look like forced perspective. It looked like somebody copy and pasted four little dogs and then one big red one. What color are his poops? <laughs> oh, my goodness. He's red. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not. 
Because then there's going to be a joke about, like, Christmas poops. Because, like, he's red, but he eats green stuff. So, like, the poop is green. Like, there's a joke. <laughs> no. Okay. roasting on an open fire. Well, okay. The thing also with the dogs and the, the teaser trailer that they put out. Because it's in a white background, like, this weird white abyss that they put these dogs into. Mm-hmm. Why are they all in this room? I don't know. I don't want to look into it. Is this the genetics facility? Are they testing on these dogs, too? Is that what's going on here? But, okay, uh, you can't tell what the size ratio is because it just, the dog doesn't look that big. It's not as big when you compare it to the other dogs on this weird no. white background. And how does it play with the other dogs? I mean, I have two little puppies and they play fight all the time. Clifford would maul something to death. Well, I will say this. Most big dogs I know, if you take them to a dog park, like little dogs scare the hell out of them. So there's a very real chance that this That's is like true. an elephant in a mouse situation. And we're just going to have Clifford pulling a Hulk and like leveling a New York skyscraper. So yeah, we personally. have this gigantic red dog that's terrified of everything because it's smaller than him. Yes. <laughs> Can I direct you guys and everybody listening to the uh, YouTube trailer, the fake YouTube trailer, the full trailer? Uh, it's basically just clips of Rampage with The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know I spoiled the joke, but I guess just knowing that it's out there in the world. Uh, but you're right, the, the half-ass trailer of all time. And we've seen some half-ass teasers, Mike, in mm-hmm. our day. Mm-hmm. The, this is pretty bad. Yeah, That, that is up there. And I am... I am you're absolutely right, Mike. This has been a backwards type thing because I am infinitely more interested in Clifford the Big Red Dog now after Amanda's rant than I would have been at any other point. And I, I'm dead serious about that too. So we could be doing some backwards marketing here. I love that my English degree is going to me <laughs> analyzing Clifford the Big Red Dog lore. I, I, You know what? I'm going to write a letter to my professors. Hey, just so you know. <laughs> This is what my degree is being used for. Send them this episode. Yes. I'll censor the poop jokes, yeah. (laughs) Mike, number one. All right. It's Spencer. And the more I did research on this, guys, the more I I, I kind of eschewed all my worries. I'm actually not quite as worried about this, but I, I still got a backdrop of worry about Spencer. And Spencer is, of course, the Princess Diana... Kristen Stewart is Princess Diana movie, okay? Mm-hmm. And we all saw the still that was released. And all right, my bottom line: all the people who made this movie are are really top notch filmmakers. You know, the the director of Jackie, the the writer of Eastern Promises, mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart, good cast, Timothy Spall, et cetera, et cetera. In all seriousness, this is quick. In all seriousness, <laughs> this is not the crown. How are they going to make a movie about Princess Diana now when the crown wins 17 Emmys mm. in, in this particular um, because year? People, because people's mothers love Princess Diana. And so I think that it doesn't matter in what context. As long as they capture her essence, people will see the movie. I'm going to see the movie. And I'm a mama's boy, so I guess that makes sense. Your mother Mike, does love Downton Abbey, Mike. Yeah, we're we're Anglophiles together. This is what we talk about. We can't mm-hmm. talk about real shit. We talk about Prince Charles being a dick his whole life. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> and you got a guy with a dickish-looking face playing Prince Charles in this. He is uh, Jack Farthing. He even sounds like a dick. No, but he, the, actor, the actor's got that face. You just want to, like, get mad at him. And, yeah, it's Sean Harris is playing somebody in the royal family and King Arthur, like the most 
anti King Arthur ever casting in the Green Knight. So and he, of I'm course so excited the, for the Green Knight. Right. See previously English degree. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Sean Harrison, that weaselly voice from the Mission Impossible trailers. We are going to <laughs> keep going. Go through. Do it. You, Commit. If. You're finally going to go off the edge, aren't you, Tom Cruise? I forget Tom Cruise's name. So what what made you, like, quell your own concerns about this? What info did you dig up that you were, like, not as worried as you first were? I looked up the filmmaker, Pablo Lorraine. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I thought it was somebody else, but he made Jackie, so Jackie was pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. And then I looked up the writer. It's like, Eastern Promises is pretty darn good. He made a Cronenberg movie. Oh, this cast is pretty darn good, but she's not Emma Corrin. I mean, how is she going to top? What <laughs> so Emma your Corrin concerns with this is just it's not the Crown, basically. And it's Nicole not the Kidman crown. isn't Lucille Ball. Like they're actors. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to explain an, the actor profession to you. Mike and I take these things very seriously. <laughs> well, Elizabeth Debicki is going to play her in the next season of The Crown. I'm very excited because I love tall women. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, or is she not going to be nominated for anything because she's also look, not Emma Corrin? All your Clifford the Big Red Dog jokes and concerns we can apply to season five of The Crown with Elizabeth Debicki. <laughs> Listen, She's like six if there, five. If there is if if there is a gif of a movie that I could frame and just have like if I have an NFT of anything, it's the scene of Elizabeth Debicki walking through the kitchen and being taller than every man in that scene from Tenet. Okay, that Love is it. all I want. That is all I want. She was awesome, and she is yes, she is so tall. <laughs> Too tall for Princess Diana? Again, the, this is the Clifford the Big Red Dog argument, I guess. But uh, my and who God. cleans? How Elizabeth is this Debicki's the Clifford poops? the Big Red <laughs> Dog argument? How is that related? Are geneticists coming after Elizabeth Debicki to make giant women like Lady D in Resident <laughs> Evil? Is that what we're having here? Just Elizabeth Debicki and Brienne of Tarth running through the woods, being chased. Oh. Amanda just made our show so much more culturally relevant than you and I have in three years. She just threw, like, <laughs> NFT, the new Resident Evil video game, Elizabeth Debicki, and the latest Christopher Nolan movie all in the span of two sentences. And I'm like, but Timothy Spall was a painter in the last movie. I'm not going to buy him as the butler. Oh I do think this is, like, tailor-made Oscar bait. Like oh, that, absolutely. It's straight out of the Gary Oldman, you know, the first look of, of him as, uh, as Churchill, the first look of Remy Malik as, as uh, Freddie Mercury, that, long, that one picture we got of Kristen Stewart, like, looking out the window longingly as Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. And she does look more like Princess Diana than I thought they could make uh, Kristen Stewart look like Princess Diana. So just on, like, True. an aesthetics, I guess, lens, I'm kind of excited about that to see how they pull through with it. It's mm-hmm. also another slice of life premise 1991 during her christmas holidays with the royal family at sandringham house in norfolk england diana decides to end her marriage to prince charles so it's just like a weekend it's a girl boss film yeah Yeah. where she's just gonna tell off prince charles for you know 90 minutes so that kind of works for me again the story works as has potential but i just want to see josh o'connor and emma carhan do it (laughs) (laughs) your main complaint about this is that it's not the netflix show (laughs) it's not glenn close that's (laughs) (laughs) we're very stuck in our ways here we have our passions oh my gosh
Yeah, no, it's irrational. We're, we're all going to see. You're ignoring a very big red flag that you listed not once, not twice, but three times in the Google Doc. Oh, yeah. Kristen Stewart is not British. Kristen Stewart is American. <laughs> Kristen Stewart is not Emma Corrin. <laughs> I got afraid because you said, like, actors are actors. And uh, <laughs> I figured that was playing into your hands. You said... <laughs> I already complained about Emma Stone's Cruella DeVille British accent, so I think we can complain mm-hmm. about accents. That and we also didn't cross about your mind until Amanda Damon. said it? <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, Matt Damon has been terrible at accents his whole career. He can't even do his own accent in Good Will Hunting, I but he, he was too, terrible. Yeah. At, he did South African. But Kristen is a damn good actress. Oh my God, I just had a vision of Matt Damon playing Elon Musk one day. Oh God, (laughs) why did my brain do that? He did Larry the Cable Guy in Stillwater, that new Uh, trailer, That's true, that's true, that's true. It's bad. That's his Oh, that's right. I saw, there was a Twitter account for film Twitter that was like uh, starring Abigail Breslin and then she's in the trailer for like three minutes, if like three shots, (laughs) it looks like. Come save me, Dad. That's it. Yeah. But Kristen Stewart can just speak quietly like Peter Dinklage and pull off a British ac- accent, though. I don't see why not. I mean, she's yeah. she gets a bad rap. I mean, she's becoming more palatable now as people are getting more and more used to seeing her in non-Twilight roles. But she got a bad rap for being in Twilight for way too long. She And we talk about it all the time. Like, she's a damn good actress. Yeah. She is. She also did the Charlie's Angels remake, which I take any yeah. opportunity to slander. So... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, I think she is a very talented actress. I think she needs to keep picking better movies. Well, maybe this is one, maybe not. Maybe my fears are warranted. I don't know, Mike. You, you, are we on to you for your last one here? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap us up, and I didn't know uh, which way to go. I had a couple <laughs> big movies that I was picking between. I think there's a lot of problems that I can point out with Black Widow thus far. Uh, I, I, I didn't oh, go in that direction, so. though. I think there's a lot of problems with Space Jam 2. I think there's more problems with Space Jam 2 that I can point How out. How dare you? How dare you? That trailer didn't look great. And I have... LeBron's not Michael Jordan. But anyway, that's neither He's here nor a better there. actor than Michael Jordan. Yeah. All right. He was selling my can I moderate your guys' Space Jam 2 debate? <laughs> <laughs> he was good in that one Judd Apatow movie. Okay. I agree. Just the one. Yeah. But I went with... Uh, I went with Many Saints of Newark for a couple reasons. One of which I don't I'm not talking about box office. I think this will do well in the box office. I'm wondering about the critical reception and the quality of the film. And here's my biggest concern why. Mike, mm-hmm. we love the Sopranos, you and I, and that's for our love generation. It. It's what we grew up on. I'm very curious, Amanda, is the Sopranos a big deal at all amongst your generation and people your age? I think it's seeing a resurgence specifically again TikTok. Um, but Oh my god! I don't know. For me personally, I've never watched every single one. However, I do know that if I go into a pizza place and they have photos of the Sopranos up, it's going to be a good pizza place. <laughs> That's probably not the greatest marker for how how the Sopranos is going to be received by a younger audience. I would say the next pizza place I walk into, no Sopranos right. at all. I'm walking out. What kind of shithole is this? <laughs> I also think it's very unfair to ask Michael Gandolfini to do what he's doing. Like, I have nothing to go by in life at all with any reference whatsoever other than pro wrestling. 
And I know that in pro wrestling, a lot of times when they when they hook the son with a similar gimmick to the father before him, it really, really doesn't end well, like nine times out of ten. Oh I, I very much wish that Michael Gandolfini had his chance to have a starring role prior to having to play Tony Soprano. I think it's asking a lot, and that on top of... Look, David Chase is great. He's legendary, and he's mm-hmm. like probably on the Mount Rushmore of all-time creators and producers in Hollywood for TV for two decades ago. He's not done a lot since The Sopranos went off air in 2007, Mm-hmm. The only other credited writer in this movie is a guy who did things like Mighty Joe Young, Star Trek Four, and The Wahlberg Planet of the Apes. I I very much worry about how <laughs> contemporary and relevant and like how much able to hook a younger audience this movie is going to do outside of... I, I think it's being made for us and our fathers, Mike. I don't think it's going to do well with that, you know, 18 to 34 demographic. All the dads might go to the movie theater, though, for this one. All yep. of them. Bo- it's box office. I think will be okay. Uh, I don't know. Do you have faith in a David Chase writing a young Tony Soprano movie at this point, though? I'm worried about it. I don't know if it's atop my list because he's just he's he he's got his reps. Let's say. I mean, he could take ten years off after writing seventy whatever episodes and mm-hmm. be okay. Um, you know, it's another. It's another cast that I worry about accent-wise because I get offended <laughs> by Goomba accents. You oh know? Oh, my God. And I know, like, Ray Liotta can do it, but John Barenthal can't do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that right now. John Magaro, I know his last name is that, but he can't do it. There's no <laughs> way. Corey Stoll, going to be awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nick Vallelonga can't even do it. and he, That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and is there any desire, Amanda? Like, do you have any desire whatsoever to see this movie? This is the first time I've heard of it. <laughs> well, that's what, like, that's a problem to me. I'm not surprised to hear you say yeah. that. When is it coming out? Uh, it, it it has the Goldfinch release window, too, which I think is another problem. Uh-oh. It's like that mid to late September release window where it's like, Ooh. hey, we have this movie that everyone thought might be an Oscars player, but we know it's not. So here you go, pre-Oscar season. You know, season. I think it depends if film Twitter latches onto it. I'm going to be honest. I think if film Twitter can like get behind this movie, maybe it could have a chance with the younger audiences because then it's like, oh, I want to seem cultured. So I have to see this movie if I want to fit in with film Twitter. Like, I think that could always work in its favor. You're saying that people want to be cool like film Twitter is? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I I understand how dumb that sounds. I, I, I've never been more complimented in my life. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm walking on sunshine right now. No, it's like like there's just certain movies where it's like everything's overhyped and then it gets overhyped and then people hate it all of a sudden. So like I very easily could see this movie becoming like we're obsessed with this movie. Everyone's quoting it. Everyone's sharing stills, gifts, whatever from it. And then people hate it a week later because too many people like it. Do have, have any of your friends your age uh, watch The Sopranos. Oh yeah, you know absolutely. So it is. So it still has some cultural relevance. Yes. Amongst the TikTok, uh, the TikTok generation. <laughs> I'm barely the TikTok generation. I'm just like I'm. I'm the. I'm the nexus between Gen Z and, and millennials. Okay, so therefore I can weasel my way in. I am. If you, I wish you could see my face right now. With how <laughs> disgusted I am by you saying that. 
every one of your videos is based on something off TikTok. You're like the queen of it. You 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 are. Would you call yourself? You said you you're like a TikTok archaeologist. You said. I am a social media anthropologist. <laughs> social media anthropologist. Correct. Okay, because I also review products that have been pushed by social media. And then I review movies. Like, for example, tomorrow I'm filming a review of the Sasquatch Hulu documentary. Oh, my God. Was that any good? It's less of a Sasquatch documentary and more of a... Tr- as a true crime documentary, great, I would say. However, there's never any proof that these murders actually happened. So that's my criticism of it. Oh, interesting. Well, and this probably speaks to the many saints of Newark, Mark, is that we're talking about a Sasquatch true crime documentary about three minutes after talking about this. Like, I don't think there's a lot of momentum for this movie, uh, other than, again, for, like, our fathers and and the people who were raised on The Sopranos every Sunday night, once upon a time, when television mattered. Yeah, you hit on it. It, It's basically like the show is so good, this is probably, we know it's not going to be as good, no matter how good it is, right? Because there's no Carmella. And Paulie Walnuts is not going to be as goofy, right? right? Because, yeah. And if there's a kid named Big Pussy, <laughs> I don't know how well that works <laughs> when it's a teenager's walking around. I will say this: of the three suggestions you almost went with, people will see and talk about Black Widow and Space Jam too, regardless whether mm-hmm. they like it or hate it. It'll be Correct. discussed ad nauseum. I don't think many Saints of Newark are going to have that same draw to it. I. Think, I think you're exactly right. I think that's a really, really, really relevant point, especially when speaking about its box office. So, uh, all right, we can uh, we can wrap up by touching on and maybe bashing on one last time, or maybe not one last time, we'll see. But uh, we all three of us are just enamored with how much of a train wreck we think one, uh, West Side Story is shaping up to be, yes? Okay, first and <laughs> foremost, I just want to say, Rachel Ziegler playing uh, Maria, I adore her. I hope she gets nominated for something. I think she's incredibly talented. She's been tapped for Shazam. She's been tapped for a couple other movies. I have faith in her. She's a newcomer. This is her first big project. I Very incredible voice. However, I do think it's suspicious and concerning when you have someone who got canceled, quote unquote, or had a Me Too moment, i.e. Ansel Elgort, and mm-hmm. then they release the trailer. He's one of your main characters, and he's barely in the trailer. I think that's concerning. Yeah. I think you took the words out of our mouth. That's one of our biggest, uh, when we first saw that trailer, right, Mike? We were like, well, it's a little suspicious that Ansel Elgort has been relegated to the side character that he seems to be when we know he's going to be one of the main players in this. They could have... Uh... Kevin Schmacey'd him. I mean, it, it, they should have at this point. It's just terrifying uh, to have him in there. Uh, and, yeah, and to, ha- to see them avoiding the marketing. So even after what had just happened with Shia LaBeouf. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just as an auxiliary character in Pieces of a Woman. No, it's, it's, it's doomed. It has got that sense of dread. Uh, to the movie right now which is it's 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 a shame it's true it's a good point and, and you know it is a beloved property and i would be excited to see it if it didn't i like i have no desire to see this movie with with ansel elgort involved right now never mind not even getting to the point that like are we sure steve spielberg knows what he's doing with a musical okay my own, my main gripe when I first saw the set photos before the trailer was released was how the cult, this is such a vibrant musical. And then mm-hmm. it like shows the CD underbelly throughout the thing. And I think that's such a great visual. However, the costumes are 
like vibrant colors, but they're muted, if that makes sense. Like they're, they're strong colors, but they're muted and it doesn't look appealing and it doesn't look good. And I'm concerned about that. Like that he's mm. gonna try and take this already fairly gritty story and try and make it grittier, if that makes sense. Or like, I don't, I don't know how to describe what I'm thinking, but yeah, I, I'm concerned about the costuming that we're already being shown and how he's gonna handle the musical in general. Let's make a movie about dance fighting gritty. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, mm-hmm. I've just been en- enraptured with the still on the top of the IMDb page of the, the two sides and they're muted pastels and it looks like a, a, the floor of like a fall, like a, a forest in autumn. It just looks like burnt leaves. Yeah. You're right, Amanda. It's disappointing. No, and, and the music didn't pop in the trailers like it should, right? I mean, that should be the selling point. Like, when you hear the music for In the Heights and the way they blended it together, they built it up, I mean, it was just goosebumps on your that, neck. That's the point I keep coming back to, and I wonder if it's if it's the same for, for you as well, Swell, is that mm-hmm. I am so much more excited to see In the Heights than this. I mean, I'm definitely intrigued by In the Heights. However, I have heard some people who have seen it, and they're, they're, they're not super... Really? Complimentary? Yes. However, I have also heard some people who are like, it's the greatest thing ever. So I don't know. It could be the curse of Limna and Will Miranda. And I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what curse is that exactly? You just can't um, stop well, top dancing? Well, every time you hear music that he has written, you just kind of picture that one photo of him biting his lip um, with the short <laughs> hair. That curse. <laughs> I didn't think that was where you were going with that. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't know where I was going with that either. <laughs> but I'm committing to it now. Um, will you be seeing West Side Story in theaters, Amanda? See, originally I was like, I want Rachel, C- Rachel Ziegler to do well. Because I, I do think she is incredibly talented. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I have to see it because I want her to do well. However, she's been tapped for multiple other projects and has been confirmed for multiple other projects, including Shazam too. So I'm less set on that but then now she's getting some oscar buzz behind her performance so i don't know mike if we didn't have to cover this because we think it's going to be one of the uh, players for the oscars if you just left to your own devices would you see this would you seek this out in theater or would this be something you waited to see like vod oh god are, are you saying like do you guys not pirate anything is that your guys's thing like do you not no. <laughs> like, like that's always an option amanda we are two upstanding members of society we would never oh i, admit I sneak to doing the polls. that that's what i do um for example the batman people uh, apparently robert pattinson jokingly like he always does says that he will do porn if this movie doesn't do well so everyone's like oh we're pirating this movie that's what's happening <laughs> We will make sure this movie And you know takes. what? It'd be the best goddamn acted porn any of us have ever seen, too. Because he's Probably. another one that's just... That's, but no, the, the, you didn't hear the ending of that. I said we would never admit to doing that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I just think that this is, uh, you know, this is meant for our us and our parents and our parents' parents, though, right? I mean... Is it? You think so? Yeah, because I, I think uh, it's set in the 1950s. I mean, they're... I don't know. I just... In the Heights, to me, seems to be targeted at a younger audience. This is just... I'm just worried he's going to Eastwood this. I mean, did you guys see Jersey Boys by Clint Eastwood? 
Mm-mm. I did not, Awful. but I because I yeah because I heard such bad things about it. Like, how do you make Frankie Valli's music sound terrible, garbled, like underwater? That movie. And <sighs> this is Steven Spielberg, who doesn't necessarily do music all that well. I mean, I don't know. He I, doesn't I, even I, have a different writer. His writer's Tony Kushner, who did you know Lincoln. Like he he could play Gilbert three Roberts. notes dun, 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 and make music. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> He can John Carpenter music, but he can't really. Yeah, I don't know. I'm worried. <sighs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see overall. But I think 2021. I mean, with what happened in 2020, surprisingly, a lot of the movies that are coming out in 2021 were already slated for 2021. So a lot of things are on track. But then there, this is also going to be the dumping ground year for a lot of films as well mm-hmm. that were supposed to come out last year, and they're they've just decided they don't want to waste having it shelved any longer you know so it'll it'll be interesting to see every movie could be tenant this year mike yeah <laughs> i, I mean we we it's talked true. about it last episode there's going to be some that like are going to surprise but there's also going to be some that the studios are counting on being money makers that just because of the excess of options i just i think they're gonna one or two are gonna surprise us with a flop yeah but everything's been so previewed as well you know and we've had such a long time to nitpick it i guess (laughs) well i think also with the reliance on streaming this year as well because i think that the streaming window is being shortened i think that's something that's not going to be let go of for 2021 as a whole with uh the reality of even if vaccinations do go up there's still gonna be a lot of people who aren't comfortable going to a movie theater Mm -hmm. mike which movie we talked about are you most excited to see of these 10 Oh my God! It's definitely Clifford the Big Red Dog, just a hundred percent, without question. That would be my answer as well, Amanda. Which is yours? I want to say Clifford. However, I know I'm going to be able to talk, make a video on Cruella, so I'm going to make the most money off of Cruella. Which is be nice. um, you dare come in here and make fun of Disney for money grabbing? Exactly. Exactly. Hey, I fist fought the capitalist mouse for my Milan review. Okay. I will do it again for Cruella. I'm willing to do so. Okay. Um, Perfect. However, we didn't talk about this, but uh, Black Widow, I can't wait for the discourse surrounding that movie because I feel like there are going to be people who are like, we want more female led superhero movies. So we have to say good things about it. However, Marvel is 10 years too late on the Black Widow movie. However, Florence Pugh and Rachel Weiss are in it. So. I think it's going to be very interesting to see the response to Black Widow. Yeah, that's kind of the direction I was I was going in. If I did pick Black Widow, was like, I, what what what's the end game here? What what's the out? Are they just is Florence Pugh? There going to isn't be a pro- one because she's gone. But what they right. did is they spoiled their own movie by saying, "Oh yeah, uh, Florence Pugh as Yelena is going to be in all of these other properties." So it's like, oh, so the main theory I saw was that she dies in the movie, but no, she can't because she's going to be in all these other properties. So that's why they're trying to continue to build up hype for Black Widow by saying that, "Oh yeah, Florence, you have to watch if you want to watch the other stuff because Florence Pugh is going to be in everything." Oh, Black Widow being bad will be. One of the bigger disappointments of my year, if that happens. Ugh. We will find out. We will see. And uh, <laughs> we we went through some doozies here today. And I, I think if nothing else, maybe we did some reverse marketing. Maybe we got you some uh, excited. Look, I don't think the anticipation for Clifford could ever be higher than it is coming out of this episode <laughs> specifically. So I know we did that. But uh, Amanda, thank you once again for joining us. Give yourself a plug. Where can people find your work? Uh, you can find me on the YouTube channel, Swell Entertainment, and on social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, the like, love you too, Gulka. And yeah, come check me 
<laughs> and make watch me help me make money off of Disney property. <laughs> <laughs> See, she's smart. She knows how to monetize her work. Mike, we just keep churning this stuff out and hopefully (laughs) hoping somebody comes with a bag of money someday. Uh, As well as us, dear listener, we want to hear from you. Any comments, questions, or concerns about anything in this episode? What are you most looking forward to or what are you most worried about? As well as uh, any other comments, questions, or concerns we have for anything we do here in the MMO Empire, you can leave us those as always. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on the Apple Podcast app, if you would tap on our cartoon faces and leave us a five star review, that would truly make our day. And after doing so, why don't you go onto YouTube, go check out Swell Entertainment, yes. and leave her a view as well. Michael, some words of wisdom to end on, and what's coming next from us? I learned a lot this episode. <laughs> I learned actors are actors. I learned there's, there's some beef between Gen Z and uh, other generations. I learned um, I learned a Clifford whole lore. lot. I learned yes. a whole lot about Clifford Lore from a lit major. That is uh, that's incredible. I, I just I want to I want to see your. You know, fifth, vo- you know, volume five of the Clifford books, just like marked up with all these, you know, <laughs> notations. Tabs, notations. I'll write a dissertation on Clifford. <laughs> like post-it notes just coming out of Clifford book, just like a serial murderer script. <laughs> I have all the red string up on the wall with all the posts. <laughs> Genetics? That's question mark. Dip- <laughs> there is but, no Pepe Sylvia. Yeah. But I guess words of wisdom, though, seriously, like we are intrigued by these 10 properties that we discussed. 10 plus. What did we discuss? 12? The dirty dozen? Of, there you uh, go. <laughs> we're intrigued by all of them, and we're going to see all of them. So hopefully, like you said, this is going to be like troll marketing or reverse marketing for them, I guess. Mm-hmm. We want them all to be good. We do. Yeah. That's the moviegoer's prayer. That I'll end with the words of wisdom. The moviegoer's prayer. Please, for the love of God, be good. And if they're not good, I will make a review on them. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come preview the year with us and our friends. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See you.